0: Well, yeah, do you remember episode 139 when we were talking with Emily Varen about her workbook, The Beating BCBA Burnout? She talked about the experience of sitting in someone's home for hours at a time and how much time you're wasting. Yeah. And what was her response that you should be doing with all that time? You should be up your data book's ass. Exactly. You need to be spending time digging into and analyzing the data in order to plan out how you're going to translate this into a report. When there are goals that haven't been worked on
1: and parent training that hasn't been touched. Which is a shit ton of work, but totally necessary. It's a lesson most of us have learned the hard way.
0: Well, guess what? We have a new sponsor for the ad. Our first sponsor. It is Twill. And they are all about making your data work for you. Instead of just sitting in the room for four hours, pouring through endless data points, you mean room. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Twill creates video highlight reels of sessions with technician annotations so you can be there for every important moment, even when you're not. Wait, what? This sounds amazing. I know. So today's episode is brought to you by Twill from Spectrum AI. Twill is the first true electronic health record built for today's modern ABA practices with enhanced supervision features for BCBAs and session management tools for RBTs. Twill simplifies data collection, automates documentation, and records your sessions through video with ease. If you want a better experience, better data, and better outcomes, you need to go to twill.co. That is T-W-Y-L-L dot C-O. You can fill out a form and get a chance to win a goodie bag that will include one of our very own Love You Minute bucket hats, as well as a Twill crossbody bag and a chance to get a shout out on our podcast. Go to twill.co. That is T W Y L L dot C O.
2: It's behavior bitches.
1: Hey guys, it's Liat and Casey. And we are here with episode 149. Casey, take it away.
0: All right, episode 149 do you think adult services are fine or do we need built to get it in line? And you'll know what built is soon.
1: Okay. I did a double rhyme. I like that. (laughs) On her way to being a rapper. All right. So this is Casey and my second episode recording next to each other. There's some, you know, we got to adapt here. We're figuring out, do we share a microphone? Do we not? How close do we sit? Do we touch
0: legs? Do we touch
1: legs? I, mean, like, I get really sweaty when I podcast. So I don't know if you want me to be that close to you. So yeah, we're like kind of trying to figure it out. So work with us.
0: Mm-hmm. All so right. you said it's our second time in person podcasting. We're trying to figure out if her thing's on, do not disturb. I see all these distractions and I'm going to uh, change for the next time we do this. Yeah, now you see like what
1: I'm trying to like over. Maybe I don't have ADD. Maybe it's like <laughs> legit. No, like you could come did. in and see that like your life is I- wild. I'm pulled in 30 angles at
0: once. I, I don't even know. Okay. But I think I will say my favorite part of being here so far is being able to come see Kobe in like real life instead of just FaceTiming. I know,
1: but he was like in a bad mood today. Okay. I called Kase this morning. I'm like, I'm so tired. He didn't sleep. Can you please take him to school? She's like, yeah, totally on my way. I've been up since three.
0: <laughs> All right. So let's start with a review. Take it away, Case. All right. So this is from Michelle underscore BCBA. Everything and then some. I found you guys accidentally when I started studying for my BCBA last year. I say this to so many people, but your collective is what sent me over the edge to actually passing my exam and understanding the concepts on the task list. Yes. You guys break down every concept on the task list and make it real raw and relatable. As a person who cannot read a textbook to study, doing the one-month rental of the collective was perfect. Not only that, but your CEUs have given me so much knowledge, with my favorite being how not to be a BCBA hole and the podcast, which are perfect on my ride to work. Keep up the great work. Love ya. Michelle, thank you, love you, mean it. We're so happy that you're continuing on with the
1: CEUs. That's amazing and that you're not being a BCBA hole. Spread the word. We can get BCBA. I'm tired today. I was going to think of something clever, but it didn't come out. Okay, so
0: <laughs> well, good thing I'm here. Pick up the slack.
1: Don't mind me while I interrupt. I'm the behavioral robot here to tell you what concepts we will cover. Antecedent proactive approaches, procedural fidelity, pragmatism, parsimony, unconditioned reinforcers, stimulus control, behavioral cusps. We talk about choice, which is matching law.
0: All right. And now I'm going to introduce our guest. This guest um, was a past student. She reached out. We love when you guys reach out and we get to bring you on and share the cool shit that you guys are doing with your BCBA. Um, And this one really hit close to Leah and I because I worked in adult services and she has a brother, an adult brother with autism. So Christina is the CEO and founder of Built, which is why it was my rhyme, which is Bridging Independent Living Together. Christina has been working in the human service field for the past 12 years and has gained extensive experience with promoting independence in individuals' lives despite interfering behaviors. She is also a board-certified behavior analyst with a master's of education in curriculum and design in applied behavior analysis. Christina has worked as a direct care staff, residential group home manager, residential area director, and a behaviorist overseeing individuals ranging from adolescents to adults in clinical and home settings. And she's going to tell us all about the amazing work she's doing in the state of Massachusetts. Massachusetts. (laughs) East Coast represent. Christina, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks so much for having me. I'm really so happy to be here. This is like, I was so excited to talk to you guys. I was like, oh my God, I used to listen to you for, you know, months (laughs) studying for the exam. Did I hear used are we
1: are we not relatable once you pass?
2: <laughs> oh, no. I mean, but when I was studying, it was like, you guys, I went to bed with. I woke up with <laughs> I all day. Now I try to, you know, have a healthy relationship.
1: <laughs> good, good, good. You got to set those boundaries. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we could be annoying. I wouldn't want that much time with us. But, <laughs> all right. Okay. So, I, I'm really excited about this podcast, especially just because I've been confronted lately a lot with the adult stuff, just with my brother going through a lot of transitions. Yeah. Um. Like we, he recently tried moving into a group home. We found it wasn't a good fit. I was like kind of disappointed in some things I saw. Um, as I mean, and we could talk about that, but I guess I just want to know first, like what got you into the idea of getting into adult services? Cause with, it's just so common in our field that people go into the, The cute little young people. Kiddos. Uh huh. Yeah. Kiddos. Well, I
2: um, so I actually my first job, I was working at a recreation center, and they had asked me, do you want to try working with um, the adult population? They have special needs, and we put on um, plays, and we have them do activities, and I didn't know anything about it, but I said, you know what, I'll try my best, and it was like my first night, I was like, oh, I'm around my people. <laughs> this <Yes>. is just... <laughs> so fun. I'm like, they are so witty. We could have awesome, you know, conversations, but at the same time, they don't have the energy of the five or six-year-olds that are running around. Um, I feel um, that. (laughs) And it was just such a different sort of environment. So then I started, I had already been working in school systems with kids and I had done ABA. This was back in, um, 2009, I had started with being an RBT, and I just could not stand sort of discrete trials. Yeah. Um, I, I really had a hard time myself sitting there because I'm sort of hyperactive. Casey, I'm like you; I'm up at like 5 a.m. zooming around. So, mm-hmm. um, match to sample doesn't work for me personally. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then when I went to the the group homes, I was like, wow. There is so much room for improvement here, but these people have so many skills that we need to just build upon so that they can live normal, happy lives. And I, was, I, was, I just love the whole idea of adults and teens and sort of helping them throughout their life.
0: I was going to say, and this is what kind of sparked my interest when you emailed, was the difference of your program and the goals. And one thing you said was, you know, you, they're not just sitting around. Um, And I've seen that a lot in different day programs I've gone in, the difficulty with programming for adults and um, finding staff who have the motivation to, you know, build on those skills and create quality programs. And so tell us a little bit about BUILT and your mission and all that you stand for.
2: Sure. Yeah. So I actually started Built around five years ago. Um, and this is after I had really worked in group homes for so long. And um, at one point, I was a behaviorist overseeing 60 group homes, which is very unattainable. Not everybody had you know, to have to be overseen. But Remind
1: me to ask you about that. I have a question about that after.
2: Sure. In um, every house I went into, I almost felt like Every time I was there as a behaviorist, it was a drop in the bucket to what really needed to be occurring. Um, You know, a lot of the staff, they're just not uh, trained well enough to sort of figure out how to have people be independent and sort of how to go that extra mile. Um, So after I kind of was in different jobs where I was fighting with everyone in the company to change their policies and nobody was listening, I was like, well, you know what, I'd rather kind of fight the state and fight, you know, these sort of ridiculous policies regarding insurance, not covering ABA for people's lives, then fighting people that aren't listening to what I'm saying about how we need to have quality services. So we started with one-to-one services with individuals, and the whole point of the services is that the individual gets to choose what they want to do, and it also they get to work on goals and we're doing this in a way that's uh, naturalistic. So um, a lot of our adults, they're learning things like how to take public transportation because that's what's really gonna help them um, further in life. Um, I'm a sexuality educator, so we do a whole lot of talk about sexuality, dating, things like that. and I find that staffing is really the key to things. So small ratios, uh, we recently opened an innovation center. So it's almost like a clubhouse where people can pick and choose what they want to come to. And it's only mostly one-to-one staffing. Sometimes we do one staff to two individuals, but the individuals have a better social life than me. Um yes. This Saturday, they're going to a Taylor Swift candlelight concert, you know, and then next week they're going out to eat and they're going to an amusement park. Um, So I I really love to see that they can kind of do these things and have these normal experiences and feel normal in the community.
1: I love that. Okay. So I heard a few things going on here. First of all, it sounds like you are, um, just for anyone studying, you know, I got to add in my study expertise, my study expertise, exactly. Um, You said like you're working on these skills, like taking public transportation, for example. To anyone studying, that'd be a behavioral cusp, right? Uh, A behavioral cusp is something that is a a skill that you work on with someone that's going to open, like really open up their world to access to other reinforcement. When you can take public transportation, you could go to work, you could go to the park, you could go meet a friend, you can take a train to the airport, you know, to go fly somewhere. So that's amazing that we're working on that because we do talk about this a lot with like new clients when they're young. Like, okay, we got a new client. What are we going to work on with them? Okay. First, we want to work on manding. That's important. Let's see, are are we going to, they need to be able to communicate. Can they do this? And what I've noticed a lot and what makes me sad, especially watching my my own brother who is 27, like in the adult services part of things and day hab, and then trying a group home. It's like, what I emotionally felt was, okay, he's 27 years old. the The ultimate goal is like to live independently, do these things. Like I saw him move into the house, and I'm like, this is where he's gonna be for the rest of his life until he passes, God forbid. And I was like, this, like, what's the quality of his life? Like, what are they doing? Like, it's a place for him to just sit and like play his Xbox, you know? And I like. Even saying that out loud, like, makes me want to throw up. <laughs> but it was, like, he has so much more to learn. There's so much to do. And, like, I can't accept that this is his th- – this is, like, for the – like, literally the rest of your life, you know? Um, I mean, also, I think, like, you don't really realize until you're involved in the adults or you have someone you love who is an adult – that it really is a like, like when a bed opens up situation, like these houses are full. It's like someone like either like when they age out, meaning like they need to go to a nursing home, like they can no longer be provided, like they pass away. Like it's just a lot. And, you know, it just, I'm kind of coming in as a family member now um, saying these things. So to hear you, that you're so passionate about these things and that they're going to like these Taylor Swift concerts and you're teaching these skills still, like you're not giving up on the individual, that is like, okay, yeah, you're in this place for the rest of your life. That's it. I mean, first of all, thank you. And to hear you're doing this, it's so amazing.
2: Yeah, thanks. And that that's really kind of what the big problem is. Like for years, I was called to different group homes or dayhabs to consult and telling me, you know, everyone's having behavior issues. And as we know, behavior is due to your environment. And it's like, well, let's look at the schedule. Well, there is no schedule okay, well, what's the activity for the day? Well, they're going to have a two-hour break. Um, You know, nobody needs a two-hour break when they just got to a program in the morning. Um, You know, that's the time where we should be setting up the schedule for the day. So um, a lot of times the problem with, you know, in Massachusetts specifically is that there's such a shortage of housing for individuals. So um, a lot of families, they're stuck between this rock and a hard place where, you know, if they don't take the bed that's given to them, they might not come up on the list in another 10 to 12 years, and they might have some serious problems themselves. So um, it's definitely difficult because I've seen, you know, 22-year-olds go in to live with 60, 70-year-olds, and it's not going to work out. The, it, there's just no way this will work out. And, you know, everyone tries very hard to put it as a way of, oh, well, you know, they're an old soul. Okay. No 22 year old in their right mind is that old of a soul that they can live and with. And it's like,
1: it's like, okay, okay, there's a difference between an old soul, meaning like, you like, like, philosophical, like, lot, wisdom talks, and you like, like, maybe like some older music, and like, where you are, like, physically in your life, like being able to move, you know, like, there's a difference.
2: There, there for sure is. And I mean, they definitely, uh, you know, fill a need for a lot of people. And so that's why what we're doing with the Innovation Center and even our one to one settings is that we have a lot of people that live in group homes, but they come with us all day. So you know, the group home staff might not be able to, um, you know, do the volunteering for staffing constraints, there's a huge staffing shortage, or maybe they just really like, they don't even know how to start volunteering. But uh, we have a lot of individuals, they'll come for our volunteering group, our cooking group, and then maybe they go home. So they've had a really full day. And that's, you know, something that at least gives them joy. Um, And it's something that they feel proud of. You know, I have parents all the time call me and they're like, I can't believe you took them to a horse farm. What'd they do? I'm like, they cleaned all the saddles. (laughs) They did great. They, you know, they did better work than I saw some other people do. And they didn't complain. And it was amazing.
0: That was my favorite part. And what I missed the most of working in the day program I worked in was like, being able to go back and tell the parents all, like, the places we went. And they're like, I can't even imagine taking my, like, child anywhere. And I'm like, oh, my God. We did – we went out to breakfast. She ordered her food. We went – like, we did a lot of stuff at horse barns too. Um, Like, even riding and therapeutic horseback riding and music therapy and play therapy. And, like, their lives were so enriched. And that was so important to parents to be like – they, you know, parents get stressed out, right? They're working, they're getting older, especially as adults age, their parents are aging. Like a lot of the parents that I worked with were in their 70s and yeah. they're still trying to care for this, you know, now adult with behavioral issues and also work. And it's just a lot worrying about funding as a full-time job for parents of how they're going to get staff and keep staff. And it's just so much. So it's really great that you're, you're able to provide that in Massachusetts, especially where there is such a shortage.
1: I mean, it's even – like because now that, again, I've, like, somehow – I've got involved in the group homes looking into even, like, creating one here because I I saw it wasn't a good fit for my brother, you know, but I've so spoken to multiple people. Like, Dallas, I'd say probably one of, like, the larger cities, right? You have a bigger picking pool because I know, like, even, like, in New Hampshire, you'd say, like – I mean, even to find a BCBA there. Like, they're saying in Dallas here, they were telling me, and by the way, the place my brother went is not a bad place at all. It just, like.
0: just wasn't up to the standard? No, no,
1: no. It wasn't. It just wasn't a good fit for him also yeah. where he was in his life. Also, like, coming from, you know, culturally, like, a religious Jewish family to going to a place where there's none of that. Like, he felt disconnected as well. So they were talking to me and they were saying, wow, like, you're at BCBA. Like, could you help, wor- like, work with us? And I was like. Honestly, I have to be honest, like, my bandwidth is just, like, I don't feel like I could do great work because I'm doing so many things right now, like, within test prep and CEUs and this and that and trying to get, like, better BCBAs out there. And they're, like, the problem is is that the retention in general of BCBAs, like, they might come consult on the case and then they're gone. And then the actual, like, care staff, they're in and out, you know, and so there's these behaviors And, you know, a lot of times like they immediately like have to go like look at like what drugs they could take or I've I've just seen there's a lot of complexities to it because you have adults you're working with. The same way that like us adults are really complex and like emotional and transitioning through life, you know, these individuals like, I mean, that's one of the things we know a lot is that well, I mean, transitions for anyone is hard. Look at Casey right now.
0: I was just going to say last night, I was thinking of, you know, why this podcast was so important to me and thinking about Gall moving to the group home and thinking about like our adults that go to, you know, new programs or have new staff randomly one day or, you know, or out of their, you know, transitioning from high school that they've known for the last, you know, school they've known for 18 years. And then they're now out in the adult world, in adult services. And, Thinking about my own move to Texas, like, without having a disability, I'm like, holy shit. Like, everything is different. Like, I was telling Liat, like, the littlest things. Like, the way I open my door is now, like, a fob. Like, it's every time I do it, I'm like, it, like, stresses me out. Like She's it, like, it, like, I was so,
1: <laughs> like, she's like, I was known as being, like, the fastest to enter the building in New Hampshire. <laughs> she's like, no, seriously. People will be like, you're faster with the... With the code than the key. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure everyone around is like, that's the chick who's the fastest at like, getting in the building. That's just Casey's competitiveness. But,
0: but I was just saying, like, we have yeah. to think about all these um, situations that are going to arise anxiety or um, stress. And I mean, everything. My brother's – I mean, you were like, my like light my switch. B- it, oh, my bed is now lower. Like, that, I can't sleep. My bed's too low. I need to get risers because my other bed was high. My mattress is different. Like – the light switches are different. Like just little things that I'm noticing made me be like, wow, we really need to focus on a compassion and, you know, scheduling like you said, so that they're aware of what's coming and not just being like, oh, they don't need that. Like, nope, they need it. We all do.
2: And choice, choice is a big one because I found a lot that when I have worked with adults, Um, And even sometimes parents, I have to have this conversation with them is that they might, you know, they're always going to be your child, but they are an adult. So, you know, I will have a lot of parents that will say things like, oh, you know, I don't want uh, my daughter to have a ginger ale today while she's out with your group. Like, I'm sorry, but your daughter's 32 years old. And if she wants a ginger ale, it's not my place to tell her no. Um, Mm -hmm. That's not something covered under guardianship. (laughs) And I get it. We want them to live their happiest, healthiest life but at the same time, we also have to honor their choice of things. And even with our center, you know, I'll have some families that will say, can we have them, um, you know, drop them off every single day. And I have to just tell them we're not, we're not a day program. You know, this is really meant for choice. If your kid hates the farm, they should not come on farm day. They can come for the afternoon session, you know, if they love the art class, but I don't want people being forced to do things that they don't want to do.
0: Don't forget, today's episode is sponsored by Twill by Spectrum AI.
1: All right, so TLDR or too long, didn't listen, right? It's usually TLDR, too long, didn't read, too long, didn't listen. The cool things about Twill, I'm going to summarize it for you right here. It's the idea and amazingness that you could review session video anywhere at any time. So if you're not able to be there, you could check in what happened at a session, which I'm sure all of you know, it's hard to be everywhere at once. You can use the videos to enhance the RBT and parent training. Again, you're seeing what's happening. You're able to be there and give that feedback. You can complete inline edits for programming on the fly, which is amazing, meaning you don't take it all home so that you have to make programming later. You could do it on the spot. Generate reports at the click of a button. That sounds amazing. And making in-session session management and data collection as easy as possible for technicians. Maybe this will help us have happy technicians who stay around longer and love doing what they do. It's all these little things to make life easier and make people love their job. So go check out Twill. You know, when you talk about this, there are some things that are like a, it's a difficult, like fine line because, well, no, I totally agree with what you're saying. Like the same way we don't want to be forced to do something, you know, But then like I like, you know, how these wait lists work, like my brother was on the wait list for 14 years and then he got a spot and it seemed and it was like, I mean, very emotional for the idea of like, I mean, now that I have a child, I see how dedicated and committed to this and like my mom's been doing that like Kobe's too, my brother's 27. They fight because they have like the same maturity level. So my mom's been doing this for the last 27 years, you know? So like that alone is hard. And then he got this spot like through a Jewish organization. Um, He kind of knew someone who lived in the house. We're like, oh my God, like this is like things are lining up, right? So then he moves there. And I mean, it's emotional, but at the same time, it lasted one day, right? And it was actually like in one – they they didn't say he needed to go, but, like, we knew it wasn't right, like, for certain things. And – but my mom, like, tore and, like, we just got this spot. Like, this doesn't happen. At the same time, like, I was so sad knowing he was gone, but even for that one day, I felt freedom for the first time. Like, I didn't have to, like, watch my pantry or, like, hide, like, the – all the candy or the this Uh because – you know like he has weight issues and like zero impulse control so it's like th- there's just also like thinking about the caretakers when you're involved in this um in this age group and with adults like the emotional side that they're going through like my parents know they're getting older and now they just gave up a spot you know so like going into that was like r- really really hard for us
2: yeah. It's hard on both ends, right? It's hard making the decision at all to trust somebody else. And then it's hard too, like you said, the burnout that's constantly happening because so many caregivers I meet, they don't even realize sometimes that they have so many behaviors that are just centered around their child constantly. Um, and they have so much stress, like you're saying, you know, in the back of their mind, they always have the candy locked up. They always have to have the my mom. My back.
1: mom says food like rules her life. She's like i am co- constantly like did i lock the pantry did i give him this did i and cuz like at the same time you're like well they're adults like they should have a choice but it's also like this adult will eat like everything like i mean he's already overweight and you know but then at the same time it's like food to his happiness <laughs> yeah so it's like this like you're always like my mom was like the thing i'm most excited for when he was going it's like that i don't have to obsess about food anymore
0: Christina, have you read the article about the uh, client's right to eat donuts and take naps?
2: Uh, no, I haven't read that.
0: Okay. So it's a good one for anyone out there listening. I'll put it in the show notes. its um, I actually printed it for your mom. We were going to have her mom on the podcast to talk about the golfing. Oh, we need to um, do that still. And it's a really good article. I think that we should do like a, a CEU on it. It's just about like, are we really giving them choice? And I like – because I think that you are – company really is giving choices where a lot of people say they are but they're not right they're just filling time with anything they can whether the client wants to do it or not and um you know how much detriment is it if they do want to have the ginger ale at lunch right or if they do want the donut or if they don't want to do anything and I I have been having times where I just want to nap that's like, like, come over, let's have, like, wine and watch this and hang out. And I'm like, I just want to be alone in a dark room. And, like, do I want to do that forever? No. Do we want the clients to do that forever? No. But Dude, there's a no time. offense.
1: I'm trying to pair with you. Do you think <laughs> I, like, sit at night and drink wine? Do you know me? I'm like, oh, I said wine. I said vodka soda. She should be there. I'm trying to pair. She's a hard client. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm a hard client. Um, but, yeah. So, and okay, there's a couple more things I want to get to. And though. me, too. Okay, well,
1: so let rock, me... Rock, paper, scissors, who goes gets to ask first? Okay, rock,
0: paper, scissors, shoot. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Me. Ha! I won. I won. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Christina, you're just such, like, this is. I'm just so proud of everything you're doing, and one of the things I want you to talk about is what you talked to me about when I think we met, gosh, months ago, um, but I have it all written down, but I know that keeping staff is really hard, um, getting staff is really hard, and um, you talked about, like, team building and It made me laugh. You can say what you do, but... Like, my company would be like, oh, and today we're going to have an ice cream party after work at the office. And I'm like, you want us to stay here? Like, where we've been all day? This is not fun.
2: Exactly. And so one of the things that I truly believe in is that um, you can't be working with adults and then treat your staff like children. That doesn't make sense to me. Like, nobody wants a pizza party. Nobody wants an ice cream Sunday social. So what we tend to do is I'm like, let's go to the bar and do bowling and have some drinks and talk like real life, like what's going on, you know, with the clients. And so we try to do this uh, at least once a year, sometimes twice. And we also, you know, the managers and everyone, we send out a lot of feedback surveys. And one of the things we get a lot is that we're very real with people, you know, because I will have no problem telling someone like, look, I understand that this client might be doing some wild things right now that are not really easy to handle, but like, we just need to get through this. And I have a lot of assistant BCBAs that come to us for supervision and they're, you know, they come in very clinical, which I love and they're so ready to impress. And I'm like, so we got to bring it down about three notches. Like I'm glad you have all that knowledge, but like, we need to be relatable, not even to the families, but also to the individuals you're sitting here and saying to the individual, you know, we're gonna do this extensive task analysis about you wiping your behind and you know we're gonna make sure you do 25 steps. Well, what happens when you're outside walking in the community and they just drop a squat, right? Like, well, you gotta be able to, to move quick and you have to be able to problem solve at that time. And so that task analysis is wonderful, but you also have to have the problem solving capabilities. So we really try to promote, you know, real-life problem solving and ABA. What can we do before this situation? Let's look at antecedents, let's look at the consequences, right? Like let's set up this for this individual where he has a plan about it. Maybe it's not a 20-step task analysis, but it's a well-written plan of like, let's work together that's real and have this individual have a better quality of life for this.
0: I remember I had a client come from one day program to our day program and their BCBAs were definitely like clinical because they're binders. They had a job at the 99. He'd go in the morning and like set up and The task analysis was 109 steps and I was trying to train my like RBTs and I'm like thinking that that's what I had to do because I was a new BCBA and it came to me. So I'm like, oh yeah, and it was not how I was trained. And I'm like, I just finally like after a week of really, I tried to like use it and utilize it and the client was just looking at me. I was confused and I'm like, you know what? it's out the window. And let's just actually do it real life. Like, what does it look like to set the table?
1: Just break those steps into four steps. He doesn't need. And like, how fancy do you need the table? Like, I don't care if there's a fish fork on the side or a dessert spoon, like, like legit a plate and a fork. We're good. All right, cool. But you know, when you when you talk about this, something interesting that I okay, so since I got involved with the place where my Rather live for that day. I, also, I was involved with this organization for a long time. Like even in high school, I did plays with them. I was in like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Oliver. Reliving
2: your glory days. <laughs> yeah, it's <this is>, like <laughs> my peak.
1: Uh, but th- you know, so they, you know, when I came in to have the meeting with them, being like, I know this is crazy, but I don't think it's a good fit. They were actually like, we really respect that. Like most people, like you know, because. Sometimes it's not, and then when someone's not saying it, it makes it more difficult for us. But what they were talking about is, and they were like, you know, if we could consult with you at all, like we have one individual we're having a lot of difficulty with, whatever. And I'm like, look, I can't be like a full time BCBA, but I'm happy if I could like offer any guidance or you know, um, just like to help them out because like they were so good to my family. And so I, I'm like looking it over. They send me the program for this individual. And it's around sexual behavior, so which we'll get to next. And I'm reading it, and I'm they're like, you know, these BCBAs are in and out. And I read the program, and I'm like, holy shit, I could not have written something better than this. Like it covers everything. Like it's found the function. It said this, it's telling you ways to deal with it antecedently, this and that. But it's also nine pages, right? And like, I mean, it was like I was expecting to be like, oh my god, pathetic. Like they're calling these people BCBAs. I'm like, I couldn't write one that well. But then I also realized. Who are the staff that are working there? Like it, it it's like it's not an issue of whether the program was good or not. The the program's only as good as someone who understands it. So like the procedural fidelity. Uh huh. Exactly. Study that for your test. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: and so the idea that you could make this amazing program, right? You said you get these like excited people coming in, but it's like, and oftentimes the care staff that. I mean, also it comes into, like, the finances and stuff of, like, what can a company pay because, you know, the funding's not the same as for the littles. Yeah. Um, so, like, if you're having these people come in, like, you're, you're burning them out from the, they're, like, they feel, people want to know what to do when a situation comes up. So, like, they're, like, I don't know what to do. Like, the staff member, first of all, had this sexual behavior or he just slapped me in the face and... They have an amazing program, but it means absolutely nothing if it's not written in, like, five steps. Like, layman terms. Like, if this happens, do this. If this happens, do this. It's like, antecedently, you're going to want to make sure you're looking for the precursors. Because if the precursor is the toe twitch, the toe twitch, you're going to, like, then you're going to go to this. And then you're going to offer pre-Mac. And it's like, but who the fuck understands this? Exactly. Right? So I was like, it actually is a great program. The problem is, is how are we making it easy for the staff? How are we like translating this because, you know, me as a BCBA, I'm like, this is a great program and I would probably do similar things. But it's about like sometimes people need to realize like it's not about me looking so smart in my vocab. It's about me being smart to like simply solve a problem by like simplifying it. So I think Pragmatic, exactly. Uh, Pragmatic. And then using parsimony to simply explain what's happening when we see behaviors. But this brings me to my next point and – I want to talk about sex, baby.
2: Awesome. One of my favorite topics.
1: Let's talk about sex, baby. So over the last – my brother's 27 years old. I know I've mentioned it before. We've had some issues when he was still in high school till 21. Apparently that, you know, that was like a whack situation where like a typically developing individual said that my brother like – harassed him and pushed him into a bathroom stall and made him do sexual things which was like this was like an ap student who was 18 my brother like literally has like such a not strong like gait when he walks whatever it is that you could literally like flick him up so it just like didn't make sense to me so i think there was like being taken advantage the other way there uh, yeah. <laughs> like my brother forcing someone to do that like legit if this ap student was not able to be like flick <laughs> like <laughs> like i'm sorry but anyways So then, like, in Dayhab, we had another issue one time. Apparently, he was touching a a girl's leg under the table, you know, and I hear things there and I'm like, well, why is his lunch two and a half hours? Like, and my brother literally could, like, breathe food in. So, like, he has two and a half hours to kill. Then they're, like, apparently, like, in a bathroom stall, he tried touching someone. And so at first, like, my family, like, you know, we're like, ew, what? Like, why is he blah, 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 blah. And, like, and since then, I think I've told people on the podcast who listen, but – like, so the dayhab was like, because of this touching the girl's leg under the table and potentially like trying to touch someone in the bathroom, someone reported, he has to have a full-time aide with him that my parents have to private pay if he wants to attend the play still. Okay. And the aide is not even in class with him. He just sits outside his class in case my brother has to go to the bathroom. This pisses me off a lot because I'm like, first of all, my parents have to pay for that extra. Second of all, like, what, like, send the guy to the single bathroom stall, like the, like, or have a specific time. Like this is your time. You go to the bathroom. I'm here with whatever it is. So like, it just seemed like a little, like handing the problem off. Like I I just have seen so many places that my parents have sent my brother, whether it was camp when he was little or something, they get a call that he bit someone or whatever it is, like as a younger. And it's like, what can we deal with with these adults? Like if we're sending adults to like a place that is for, you know, this population, like, these sexual behaviors are gonna come up. Anyway, so we think my brother is like, you know, like this is then now that I've been helping out this group home, they are like, hey, I wanna ask you about a client. You know, like kind of like anonymously, we have these sexual behaviors, like we can't put him around. This is no longer my brother I'm talking about. This is Bob, for the sake of this. They're like, you know, Bob is and you know, they send me his behavioral support plan. Like, he has intellectual disability, autism, um, pedophilia, blah, 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 which, like, I didn't really – tell me otherwise. I didn't really like seeing that written. On- I was going
2: to say, I, I see a lot. It, he's an older client, I'm assuming. He He's – 36. Yeah. So they, I find a lot of r- written information about people that are basically like over, like I'd say 28, that has these like very strong words that I wouldn't like, necessarily call. I was them. like,
1: first of all, I'm like, it's not fair to me, like me thinking. I mean, I'm not saying anything, okay with it, but it's like this individual's brain or like they see themselves as like a five year old, first of all. So like, let's just go there. They have sexual urges, urges like unconditioned reinforcers like the rest of us. And so they're like, we cannot allow, they don't allow him to, he's obsessed with Boy Scouts because he's been a Cub Scout his whole life. And so he's not allowed to have an iPad, a tablet, anything, because he will look up kids. And I'm like, is it child porn? They're like, no. They're like, he just like will look up pictures of kids. And to me, I'm like, I, I don't know. And maybe someone listening will get mad at me. I'm like, but that seems kind of harsh that he can't have a tablet. He's living in a group home, supposed to spend hours doing nothing. Like I'm saying. You're calling this person a pedophile, This like who is it's like, is there sexual training we could do here? Like, I mean, I've seen people who are attracted to like Spongebob, you know, like they're getting off to Spongebob and. I mean, there definitely needs to be, like, clear discrimination of, like, this is appropriate, this is not appropriate. But now this individual, let's say anything, like, they have this on their record of, I don't know. I just want to know, I'm assuming this is not the only individual who's an adult having these sexual or, like, trying to, like, touch someone else in the house or whatever it is. Like, how often are you seeing this, number one, I guess I want to ask.
2: So I see it all the time, but sometimes what happens is that people don't report it. Um, and the way they handle it is because they're uncomfortable with it, either if it's parents or staff will handle things like, oh, no, 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 don't do that. You just don't do that till you know, you're married or something. And that is a statement that literally every time I hear it, my, ha- my hair stands up because I'm like, okay, that's not real. Um, and so the way that I handle a lot of these things is first looking at if someone Like you said, if someone's having these behaviors, it's an unconditioned reinforcer. So I look at, like, is this something that we can schedule into their day? Because again, if someone has activities ongoing that they're engaged in and they don't have a seven hour break every day, then, you know, they're probably going to have activities. So we could make it into the schedule where I like to have it set up where, like, we teach people to do this before they go in the shower or we put sort of perimeters around it. What can be confusing is a lot of school systems have um, a different way of handling this than I would handle it. So I don't know if this is across the country, but in mass, a lot of the assistant BCBAs I work with will tell me about how like, they'll have a student um, who's under 22 who starts masturbating and the way they handle it is they immediately put them in some sort of private room and allow them to masturbate whenever they want. I don't necessarily think this is a great way to handle things because what happens in adult life when this person's at a grocery store volunteering and then just says, I want to masturbate now, Mm -hmm. um, it's not going to be realistic. And you're going to get labeled a pedophile because you're in a public place. You're looking at groceries, thinking about masturbation for whatever reason. And so um, I'm of the school of thought. And I talk to a lot of schools about this, that like, I get it in the moment you're redirecting them and it's effective. You're having them go to a private place, but a school is sort of a public place. So yeah. it really blurs this line of public and private, but I also am someone that a lot of people call masturbation like private time. I don't really like this label because what is private time? You just might want to be alone. You might want five minutes. It doesn't involve anything with masturbation. So a lot of times I'll actually call it like, oh, you want your masturbation time or penis time or you know vagina time, whatever it might be, because I feel like you put that word in. You know exactly. Everybody knows what's going on at this moment. <laughs> And you can really plug it in appropriately to say, like, penis time, then you get your shower time, right? And then you go to bed or whatever it might be. Or sometimes we have to program in it so it's twice a day. Um, sometimes parents are horrified at me, but I'm like, look, let's plan it in, right? Because if you give people an appropriate outlet, they're not going to have to be doing it in all these inappropriate areas like masturbating on a bus or a bathroom or places you don't want them to because they have an appropriate time to do this.
1: I I completely agree with that like that stimulus control of like it's appropriate here it's not appropriate here and I agree like I mean there's a lot of things I want to do in the middle of the day but I mean not necessarily that because as Casey says I'm asexual but <laughs> a lot of things I want to do like you know just tell everyone to take fuck off at certain times take a nap right <laughs> Um, but you can't so like it really is important to antecedently plan the same, and I, I think a lot of problem is at least when I was talking to these group homes, they were saying like, also a lot of parents are like, I don't want my kid learning that, like there's a there's an issue with the education part, and it's like, all right, well there are it's
0: a, not about a it's not a learned behavior though, like it is natural and
1: no, well the urgency is like, but the, right, so they, like, they do need to, need to, to learn how to like appropriately, yeah.
2: Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of parents, they always tell me that at first, um, and then I have the whole talk with them. But like, okay, I understand that you might not want them to know about like, say, pregnancy or STDs. Maybe that doesn't apply to them. But what they do need to know is about a consent and boundary, because we need to protect them, but we also need to protect other people around them. And we don't want someone that's labeled as something that they're not. Because I've had, you know, people tell me, I walked into group homes, oh, this guy's a chronic masturbator like well what's a chronic <laughs> masturbator you know like I I think probably a lot of guys chronically I'm like, his best life? is that what you mean <laughs> how are you gonna objectively define that what is chronic you know it's like oh he does it once a day well I don't know that sounds kind of normal like let's right. just have it happen at like an appropriate time right
0: yeah absolutely. pragmatic it's true so I want to also just kind of I think it's amazing for you to tell our listeners like a little bit of how you just like started the program because I know a lot of people want to you know start their own companies or their I know own I own think profits. my brain is like and so maybe just like a couple things that you did and um and kind of what you're I know you've grown so much like serving population so how many like clients do you have now and what's going on over at built
2: Sure. Yeah. So, um, well, I wanted to go the nonprofit route because, um, I really believe in like getting grants to help people that might not be able to fund other ways. Um, I also, like I said, you know, at every job I was at, I was fighting everybody that was my supervisor about how things should be and being ethical. So now I just get to move that fight to like state politicians and like sort of funding sources and stuff. So it's a much better use of my time. Um, but starting a nonprofit, the biggest difference between that and a for-profit is a mission. So, right. If you're, I talk to people about this all the time. If your mission is just that you want to do ABA and make a lot of money, that's not a nonprofit. <laughs> yeah. Um, a nonprofit is really, you know, you are very dedicated to the mission and this point, And for us, it's really enriching all the individual's life. So we do serve people from starting from four all through adulthood. Um, but for me, it's really just like my true passion is the teens and the adults. Um, so I, we started with, uh, it was me and one other person. And we had two clients, two clients that I had been privately paid for prior. And then I just said, I'm going to start a company and let's see how this goes. I don't know how this will go. Um, COVID hit after a year and we had about 10 clients. And so I had about like a month of feeling kind of like bad for myself. And then I was like, well, we're just going to, you know, go for it and just see like how this is going to go during COVID. And actually during COVID, we were busier than ever because we were one of the few companies that were operating yeah. and still going in homes. You know, we had to change services, like one individual with one staff for safety purposes. We had tried a lot of different things. Um, thankfully, now you know things are much better, and so um, at this point, we have about 125 people we serve with um, 40 staff, and so we're doing this um, in homes one-to-one. We do this at our center through our group classes. Um, we also have ABA, and it's hard getting started with funding sources. We are private pay for about a year and a half which um, was a good testing point to get everything else starting up. But obviously, it's not sustainable for a lot of people. Um, Then I tried to get contracts with the state. um, And I found out that the state workers don't really like my programs very much or what we do. Because in Massachusetts, they have basically black and white funding of how they want things. And I keep getting told that my program doesn't fit any of their boxes. But I'm like, well, I've never fit in a box. No, you know, the individuals don't fit in a box. So we're going to figure it out. And so we come a long way in two years. I don't think I'm as, um, you know, disliked anymore. But even if I am, it's really no skin off my back. I really could care less about that. Um, And recently, now we're in insurances. And now the hill I'm going to die on is having the ABA covered throughout people's whole life. Because again, I think it's nonsensical that you have someone with autism, and you think that, you know, they age out of the school system in 22, all of a sudden, they don't need ABA anymore. It's like, if anything, this is the time where we need ABA more than ever, because there are so many transitions and so many huge things going on right now
1: well also do you get funding also from just because like when we were looking to the group home you, you get on this list I just went blank of a well
0: oh. adults have budgets if they're like families have fought for it when they like
1: well, age I out. mean you really just get on a list when you're young yeah. you're on the list and then that money like they'll be like okay for this person considered low needs they have a budget mm-hmm. of a hundred. a year potentially, right? That should pay for their home. Any day have they do. Do you get any of that funding to –
2: We do. So the one-to-one funding for people, will get that for people over 22. They also pay us to do um, like clinical consulting. Um, It's really difficult, though, because as a provider for these services, um, no one can tell me how they assess these individuals or their needs. I've literally gone all the way up to the top of the chain because I'm like, as a BCBA, if I just sent into insurance no assessment and said, well, just believe me, this is their need, no one would take me seriously. So I'm like, I don't know how you're assessing people can I have this assessment nobody gives me the assessment so I don't know some people get almost no funding some people get a lot of funding so it can be very hard for me or my managers to explain to families when they're like well my best friend said they got like 40,000 a year for funding and we only have 10 like why is that and I always I really don't know the reasons so um, the money definitely that they give is helpful because any one-to-one service even if people can't have a program it, it is expensive um, and it's it's something that's so needed because especially, you know, with these adults, like the families really need a break and so it's, it's hard because we have some people, they'll get 20 hours a week, which at least is something. Other people will have four hours in a month and I don't know how it works, but that's really, really hard if someone has no other services and they're just getting these four hours.
0: What I saw a lot was the system is tricky and It's almost like you need to work the system. And the parents that I saw get the biggest budgets knew how to work the system. And the ones that didn't got the lower budgets. It wasn't based on, to be honest, the client. It's based on what – it's almost like I think about – and this is bad. But, like, my mom, like, she's on, you know, welfare, social security, like, housing. Like, she knows what she's doing. She has not worked in, like, 10 years, maybe longer. But I've definitely seen – parents that know how to do it and it's not i mean i'd fight for like hell for my like kid to get that budget too so it's just knowing the right things to say
2: yeah it's also finagling the system so that's also part of the nonprofit we do the work we do is we meet with a whole lot of families and help them sort of try to get more funding Um, we also apply for a lot of grants to um to subsidize people's funding. So, like, we uh, work a lot with a foundation called the Flutie Foundation where we apply for grants. And, like, last year they gave us um, $5,000 for uh, low-income families. And this year we're hoping to get 10000 So awesome. that can really be helpful because yeah. – it's just so sad when you see these individuals too that again they went from having like an 830 to 335 days a week and most of them had ABA services after school and on weekends and now it's like they turn 22 and it's like well you get 10 hours a week and like good luck on um, if you can find staff or if you can keep staff and so it's really a big issue I'm hopeful that in Massachusetts there's recently been a new governor who's putting in more money into the budgets in general so I'm hoping that there'll be some change
1: well, i hope we that. need people like you fighting it's amazing yeah right? you've Seriously. done such
0: amazing work christina we're so proud of you and
1: inspired honestly
0: yeah oh thanks <laughs> keep it up and keep you know consulting and i'm sure you know people are going to reach out to you after this episode <laughs> so <laughs> where can they find you <laughs>
2: So people can find us. Our website is B-I-L-T-N-E dot org. And then on social medias, we're on Facebook and Instagram, um, Built Inc. I think we have a LinkedIn too, but honestly, I'm not really great at LinkedIn. I just kind of pop on there once in a while. So I would say those were probably the biggest, uh, you know, the easiest ways to find us.
1: Awesome. I love it. Well, thank you so much. Keep doing the work. I could tell you as someone who's like personally affected by this to hear – Someone passionate about, you know, you applying for the grants, you doing these things that are helping other people, you know, thank you. And I'm so proud she was one of our students. I mean, not that she's doing this because <laughs> of us, but like you still take like pride, like it's like your yeah successor. I'm like, oh my baby, predecessor, successor. I don't know, whatever. I'm not that smart. Okay. <laughs>
0: She, All right, she, she see maxed
1: see. out of our program as you can tell Can't even speak <laughs> <laughs> Alright guys thank you You know where to find us You can find us on Instagram Behavior Bitches Podcast Facebook Behavior Bitches Podcast Our website where you could reach out to us Tell us you love us You could also uh, reach out if you want to be a guest Or you have a topic you would like us to cover Or you want to recommend someone That's behaviorbitches.com No podcast at the end And please, we need reviews to read. Go leave us reviews in the podcast app. Um, You could send us nice things. Also, if you don't have an iPhone, if you want to like just send it to us through our website, we could read it. But the ones we read, we often read from Apple because they have a place to put it. So we want to petition for Spotify to have a review place. But until then, please leave us reviews. We love it. As always, love ya. Mean it.